the Around the NFL podcast. The alternative rock of football podcasts. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Around the NFL. My name is Dan Hansis. I am coming to you from a virtual room filled with one hero. It's another two-hander with Greggy Rosenthal. What's up, buddy? I, I like uh, being the alternative rock of football podcast. We're, what do you think that uh, means? How do you how do you like uh, describe that or break that down? Well, you know, it's like there's mainstream and we're like a little left of center. Maybe we, we rock hard. Uh, we're old enough that we were around when alternative rock radio stations uh, were invented. Like they did not exist uh, when we were children and then they, they popped up around 1993. Right. I kind of see us maybe as uh, if we're going to extend this, the Smashing Pumpkins, like, but maybe before like Gish era or uh, Siamese Dream, but before uh, Melancholy, uh, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. I, I put us in that slot, certainly before Ava Adore. I mean, as long as you're Billy Corgan and I'm uh, James Eha, I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, who makes who's Darcy then? Um, it's it's speak, Mark. Speaking of music, I <laughs> it's definitely Mark. Uh, Mark is in parts unknown right today. Um, speaking of uh, music, I am at my parents' beach house in Jersey uh, for one more week before we batten down the hatches back in LA. Thus, would be a fun exercise. My dad, Keith. Um, has roughly 200 old LPs uh, down in the basement that have survived through 50 years now. So I'm going to share you just five that I pulled at random. <laughs> this one, Connor Orr would like this one. This is the the best of the Grateful Dead. How about that? Don't you miss LPs? Well, we kind of miss them entirely, Greg, but the 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 cover art and everything is very nice. The artwork there. uh, I can just imagine your dad, uh, you know, rolling joints uh, (laughs) on top of that. To use the part. I really can't. I'm I'm joking. I kind of can't imagine that. Well, you were on the right track. To use the parlance of the time, uh, blown a bone while uh, (laughs) listening to the Grateful Dead. Then the eighties came along and uh, look, here we go. Here's Huey Lewis sports, uh, which is seminal uh, in eighties pop rock. Uh, somehow George Carlin, check out the YouTube show to see these covers, George Carlin, uh, Toledo window box, a, uh, standup special of some kind. I don't know if this is Pete Carlin or not, Greggy, but, uh, seems to be close. Of course. Uh, here we go. Everyone had mm. it in the seventies Fleetwood Mac rumors. And Does he have my- a working record player that you can play these on? Yes. And my goodness, look at Stevie Nicks on the back of that, Greggy. Model. Hey now. Beautiful woman. And finally, and I, I'm going to ask Keith about this one, because I think some of my mom's stuff sneaks in, but here's the self-titled album by Cher, 1971. Oh, I, I think um, I think uh, young men were, were Cher fans. My dad, my dad had all those records, maybe not the Cher one, uh, but there was definitely some Linda Ronstadt, some Cher and I think that was that was appropriate for for the young men of the time. Yeah, Ron Ronstadt had that uh, Laurel Canyon cred uh, back in the seventies. Uh, it is so. There you go. Nice little detour there, and maybe I'll share a couple more on Thursday's show. Today is uh, Monday, July seventeenth. Uh, Greggy, for those who are uh, hazy on the details, uh, training camp. When is it kicking off, bud? Okay. I'm glad you asked. I found this out today. I didn't know. The Jets are the first team to show up. 
they're doing that thing that I said teams should want to get in the Hall of Fame game because then they get to show up for practice the a week, week. Early, and then they get all the coverage for a week. So the Jets are showing up Wednesday. The Browns taking their time also mm. in that game, showing up two or three days later. And then the rest of the teams start showing up a week from uh, when we're recording this, which is Monday. So they start showing up next week. So this is also our last week where we're in parts unknown. We'll be all back together for the uh, rest of time, essentially, till, till a Super Bowl champion is crowned. That is that is interesting um, that the Browns have opted to take those few extra days off. Just something to track as we spin forward into the new season. And um, yes, with training camp on the horizon uh, for all of the 32 teams, we're going to a little bit of a pre-training camp primer, you know, th- storylines to watch out for, storylines, Greggy, that matter uh, as teams report uh, for another season of NFL football, the 11th season of the Around the NFL podcast. Can you believe it? If we, if we were like an NFL player, who would we be? I think Brandon Cooks might be entering his 11th year, 10th year. I, I don't know. At some point, we're going to, if if we're lucky enough, we're going to outlast every NFL player. I'll, I'll tell you why Cooks doesn't work, because you got to pick somebody that spent their entire career with one team. Hmm. Let's think of DeAndre that. Hopkins. Yes. DeAndre Hopkins, a great wide receiver, joining a new team. Let's get, before we get to the free agency primer, let's get to the news. 14 seconds to go. 31 31. Matt dodged the punt. Gets a high snap. Gets it away. It's a knuckler. Jackson takes it at the 35. Picks it up. Looks for running room. He's at the 40. He's at the 45. Midfield. He's oh. at the 40. Yeah, one of the craziest games of the last 20 years, uh, the Eagles-Giants 2010. That's the Michael Vick year, down 31-10 midway through the fourth quarter. Crazy comeback. They get it to even. And then Matt Dodge, poor Matt Dodge, the rookie Giants punter, kicks a line drive middle of the field to the most dangerous man in the world, Deshaun Jackson, who takes it to the house uh, for one of the great comeback wins in modern NFL history. I'll never forget, Greggy, um, uh, Tom Coughlin being so angry at his punter that that's the only thing on his mind immediately after the play. He ran, confronted Dodge, and said, what the hell were you doing? He was supposed to kick it out of bounds. You don't kick it to D-Jax, who, you know, the reason I had uh, Eric Roberts pull that, Greggy, is because it appeared this morning uh, that Deshaun Jackson was ready to end his career. Uh, He posted on Instagram a photo of breaking a tackle as a Raven. He's bounced around a lot in recent years uh, with the Mm. accompanying text. Did it my way, 15 years strong, never another one like it. Uh, And then when it started to float out there that he was retiring, he sent a follow-up. Uh, message y'all will know when the boy boy capitalized and it's spelled b-o-i retire and um i like that greg actually first of all the fact that deshaun maybe does have another year in him but a smart veteran move 
letting the people out there by getting himself in the news cycle, letting them know that, hey, I'm here and I want to play. And that, that was, I thought, a deft use of social media. I mean, I don't know if it was totally intentional the first time around. But yeah, Rams legend Deshaun Jackson. I mean, the la- yeah, the last few years, he still looks faster than everyone else. He is one of the rare NFL players that always looks faster than anyone else and hasn't aged that way. But he never stays on the field. Yeah, so we'll see if DJX shows up again. Somebody who definitely will be on the field is DeAndre Hopkins, uh, whose long odyssey in free agent free agency came to an end when he agreed to a deal uh, with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, so he returns to the AFC South, of course, started his career and became a superstar with the Texans, spent the last few years with the Cardinals. Uh, Rap Sheet reported on Sunday uh, that the three-time All-Pro wideout has agreed to a two-year, $26 million contract, uh, base value of $12 million for year one, with a chance to get it up to $15 million, and the deal could be worth up to $32 million if he nails every incentive. You know, that rarely, if ever, happens. But he ends up, Greg, getting the bag, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, or something close to it. He Maybe he didn't get the Odell money he was looking for, but that's pretty good money for a veteran wide receiver who's been sitting on the market for a month or two. Uh, however, you know, it's the Titans and there's going to be questions about whether he ended up uh, making the right decision for his career beyond his bank account. Yeah, I saw some Patriots fans like unhappy that they, they didn't get him. It, it sounds like it probably came down to the Patriots or the Titans. And the, there was a, a clue that Mike Reese said the Patriots were maybe around 10 million a year, uh, whereas the, the Titans were, I guess, 13 million dollars a year. So he's going to take the money. Patriots fans, oh, it's like, oh, you're taking the money over a better chance to win. It's like, I don't know. I think the Titans signed DeAndre Hopkins because they think they're going to win. Not that I think they're they're going to go win a Super Bowl this year or anything like that, but I think it's a sign, Dan, that Mike Vrabel isn't with this whole rebuilding idea. He's still got Ryan Tannehill. He's got a, a defense that has a lot of veterans, m- most of the same group that was the one seed two years ago. And he's uh, trying to go scrape out 10 wins and win like an ugly division again, and DeAndre Hopkins is, is going to help him do that in, in his mind. Yeah, exactly. And I think we all waited for the Titans to dismantle their roster this offseason because it just felt like that this current iteration of the organization or roster had had, had reached uh, its ceiling and was coming down a bit uh, after the A.J. Brown trade uh, last offseason, then a very disappointing year. And Derrick Henry's another year older, as is Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Taylor Luan retires. It just felt like the the end of an era. Instead, Mike Vrabel says, I think we could squeeze another year out of this. So Tannehill's back, Derek Henry's back, and now they go and find, hypothetically, uh, the replacement for A.J. Brown, uh, Bur- Trayvon Burks, who was the um, first-round pick last year who was supposed to step in and fill that void for Brown a year ago, now gets bumped down. Uh, but you have a compelling one-two punch there. And, you know, I thought it was interesting that I'll look at ESPN, for example, headline uh, Hopkins defends choice of new team. And then on, on Twitter, which is never, you know, how you want your uh, big signing to be spun in the national media. He wrote, I always loved having haters and doubters, but I appreciate it even more now. Tighten mm. up. So if you're a Titans fan, Greg, you're pumped up because you feel like the team has a chance in a division. That's frankly, even with the Jaguars rise, I think wide open. Yeah, I, I've thought people have been digging dirt on the Titans too early, even before this move. Like, yes, it was the worst or close to the worst wide receiver group in the league before the Hopkins move. But now 
You got Burks, who I wasn't big on coming out of college, but I actually thought showed some things in the time that he was healthy as a rookie. Him and Hopkins are a reasonable one, too. You have Oconquo at tight end, who we love. Uh, you have Derrick Henry. We'll see. But mostly you have a, a loaded defense. The question is, like, is Hopkins truly like an X receiver still where he can get open uh, and win enough contested catches. I don't know. I think Traylon Burks might be the guy that they might use that's moving around a lot more, and they they hope Hopkins is on the other side of the formation and and just winning those jump balls, almost like OBJ was uh, when he was with the Rams. I don't think he's that guy anymore. He's not getting paid like that guy. Twelve or thirteen million dollars is is like number three receiver money in, in today's NFL, and it's the best that Hopkins could do. Uh, but that's it. Kind of shows where he's at. He said he'll retire if he doesn't gain a thousand yards like he's going to retire the day that he doesn't gain a thousand yards so that that's a lot of, a lot on his plate this year a lot of pressure. Is it though? like i think uh it's it's something like 52 yards a game if you play every week will get you to a thousand now right and he pointed out his pace like technically he wasn't a thousand yard receiver last year or the last couple of years uh and tech you know his pace was way over a thousand so he was saying that i don't know um like this Titans team has a chance. I don't think they're going to be that bad. I they, they always find a way. Even last year, like I think it's easy to forget what was their record at one point. They were seven and three, yeah. and then they lost seven straight. I mean, if I'm Gravedigger, our former producer, I'm I'm excited today because it does feel like if you looked at where the team was, let's say at the start of free agency when there was so much uncertainty, it felt like this team might be going into a total rebuild. And now you could, yeah, talk yourself into them. Uh, playing relevant January football. I think I definitely think they can. And and I've been vocal about this, Greg. I think it's a bad job by the Patriots who seem to be organizationally and maybe I'll come up a little later, but kind of caught in the middle of what, what they're trying to do. And Jeremy Fowler of ESPN reported that they did stay in contact as you mentioned it earlier, uh, but they weren't even quote in the same ballpark as the Titans mm. in terms of a negotiation and money. So I thought he would have been a perfect fit for them. Not necessarily like for what you're talking about, like, Oh, nukes in a much better spot now, but for the Patriots, I feel like that would have been a nice cherry on top where you had a lot of good vibes going into the season uh, with a restart on offense. Now still a lot of question marks there. And I understand that I I'm sure Greg, if you go on like a, Patriots subreddit. There's a lot of upset fans that thought they should have finished that. Yes. My, my Twitter, uh, what, what I've seen on it, it seems like people are unhappy. I got to think though, they did. They were a little ambivalent about him though. I mean, why wouldn't they extend three or $4 million more? They, they, they were really trying to bring, bring him in at a total bargain basement price. Unless Robert Kraft isn't cutting them checks, which Bill Belichick kind of hit and did at in terms of their cap spending a few weeks ago. But I really don't think that's it. I don't think they want him that much. And, um, I can't really keep my thoughts straight because it's 3 a.m. right now in Tokyo, and I feel like I'm podcasting while underwater. Oh, my goodness. That's right. You are back in L.A. You had the long flight. Talking (laughs) like this is making me realize uh, I'm more out of it than I realized. You do. I mean, and I I mean this in the nicest way. You look a little nuts right now, now that I kind of give you, now that you said that, and I'm kind (laughs) of looking at you in a different way. (laughs) I need a haircut. We're going to get through this, bud. Um Hey, I love Evan Ingram, by the way. I'm a I'm an Ingram guy. I thought um, when Trevor Lawrence um, got a real chance last year and made that big leap in year two with the Jaguars that Ingram really reached his uh, came into his own. And I think it could be just the start um, 
for that pairing as long as Ingram could stay healthy, which obviously struggled with the Giants. But anyway, the Jaguars are on the uh, same thinking uh, as the old Zeuser because Ingram and the Jags agreed on terms of a new three-year $41.25 million contract ahead of Monday's deadline, that's today, for franchise tag players uh, to work out an extension. The contract includes $24 million fully guaranteed. Mm. Uh, so he was going to be on the tag. They decide 28 years old. Uh, it is time. And he was a pro bowler. I kind of forgot about that. He, he had a pro bowl season in the pandemic year with the giants. So he had flashed with them, but he was a very kind of maddening player uh, with drops and inconsistency. Uh, but the Jags think he's a long-term piece. And I agree. I think this was a smart move. Yeah, I, I love seeing a player like this who was disappointing but showed talent kind of find the right home. Doug Peterson knows how to use him. I'm impressed they were so willing to commit that it's essentially the franchise tag for two years of what this year's tag would be. And then if they had kept him, next year's tag would have been. Uh, so that's a franchise tag, I think, actually working out for the player because uh, now he gets Two years, they sort of have an option of a third if he's playing really well at what will be a relatively team-friendly price. And the Jags are a good example of, like, you don't need to have some crazy number one receiver. I think they hope Calvin Ridley becomes a dude for them. But the big trend in today's NFL is, like, you just need three or four or five actual receivers. And Ingram's absolutely going to be one of those guys for a couple years. Um, In other contract news... Um, unless we, should we hit on the quickly on the franchise tag deadline? We don't, we don't need to dwell on it because it's still got a, a couple hours from now is when it goes official and hopefully we don't get burned on this podcast. But, uh, Tony Pollard with the Cowboys, um, Josh Jacobs with the Raiders, Saquon Barkley with the Giants pay attention. They're all running backs, all, uh, trying to get deals done, but nothing as of press time. Anything you want to add there, Greg? Sounds like uh, Pollard definitely not getting the contract. Jacobs almost certainly not getting it. Barkley, you know, this will be out of date, but I wouldn't expect it. It, Jacobs is the one and Barkley potentially that we're going to be stuck talking about a lot because I think they're going to go into training camp. Kind of annoying. Just like, yeah, because you know how it's going to end. They're not going to miss any regular season time, but it'll be it'll be a topic because they'll skip the first few weeks of training camp. And who, who wouldn't like to do that? And it should uh, just a quick reminder that if you look at the last five, 10 years, of the NFL, the franchise tag has gone up like considerably for every position, but down at running back. So it, that is a, that's been like a, one of the big off season storylines, Greg has been this running back situation and how teams uh, view them. And you're seeing it again, as we hit this uh, deadline uh, for long-term deals, you, you know, there hasn't been much going around in NFL news when like, every different website and television show is doing their version of like the, how come the running backs, you know, like that's all we got now. Normally it'd be like some controversial arrest or something else. So I think right. that's a good sign that, it, that we're in a good place as a league. I don't think it changed. I don't think it's changing either. I think this is the new normal. These teams are signing up for five years of these backs. And unless you are a super duper star, uh, that's just the nature of the beast. Play a different position, kids get out. People talking like it's so unfair and like I get all that. Like, you're right. It is unfair to running backs, but it just feels like a hill that 
I mean, I'm I'm okay with it that they're making ten million dollars and they're, oh, they're look fine. at you! They're That's fine. not like Greggy, the old these guys are millionaires with your big cigar in your mouth. They shouldn't complain about nothing. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that. I just mean like, okay, they're underpaid compared to other like kickers and punters and interior offensive linemen didn't used to get paid. It's like I'm not saying kickers and punters should get paid, but it's just like they're all doing fine. It's okay. All right. In other running back news, Joe Mixon is going to come back to the Cincinnati Bengals, it looks like, for a seventh season. Uh, the two sides finalized a restructured contract for 2023. This was reported uh, by fr- on Friday by Tom Pellicero, the Pell Razor. Originally, Mixon had been due 10, Pell Razor. $10.1 million this season with a uh, cap number close to 13. Uh, the rework deal, according to Rap Sheet, includes a base of five and a half million for twenty-three. You can hit up to seven and a half with incentives. So he took a haircut, Greggy, and the way it sets up, maybe he can be around next year as well on this contract if he plays well enough. But uh, now that becomes the focal point. What's left, or does Joe Mixon have more big years in the tank? Yeah, he just didn't have that juice last year. Like just a, he had that great explosiveness that you can just see, like a zero to second foot was as good as anyone in the league his first few years. And so maybe that comes back. He's still not that old. It was drafted in 2017. It's pretty rare to see someone take like a $5 million pay cut. That's a sign of the running back market too, because he knew if he got cut, he was not going to make $5 million a year. He probably would have made, if I had to guess, three to four or three. And so he can go try to win a Super Bowl. He, he likes the situation there, and he was willing to take a $5 million haircut. It is funny to me. The is it Cam Akers, the guy that came out, uh, the only guy that didn't get what was going on, and he he wanted the Rams to give him a new contract this off season. <laughs> Everybody else is kind of like, okay, we see what's happening here, including Joe Mixon, as you see by what he was willing to agree to. Um, Cam Akers is like, give me that bag, I deserve it, and I need it. Come on, bud. They kind of need Mixon to be great, by the way, because their their backup running back is either fifth round pick Chase Brown or. Travion Williams like if Mixon actually got back to being Mixon as good as that offense was a year ago like it'd be even be even better because I think the offensive line is better and isn't there a certain former Pro Bowl running back with the Vikings who's still out there like that that's still a thing huh like I was gonna say maybe the writing was on the wall in retrospect with with Cincinnati looking to stay in business when they didn't make a aggressive draft pick of a running back um, but man, they maybe could have done business and gotten, gotten with cook, but they decided to stay with Mixon. I'd rather have cook. I, I do wonder Pollard is, um, coming off of a broken ankle and leg and we'll see if he's ready for week one. I think that's the expectation, but they they're thin in the backfield, the Cowboys to me behind him. And like, you're going to ask him to have his biggest workload ever coming off of a huge injury. They would be an interesting team. I think that no one has really talked about for cook or for Kareem hunt. Who is out there as well? This is kind of cheating because this you could say this like about any player, just something about the Cowboys, but I could picture Dalvin Cook in a Cowboys uniform. Uh, it kind of makes sense to me. Let's finish up with a couple of fun items here, Greggy. Speaking of running backs, Miles Sanders, former Eagles running back, now with the Panthers. He's excited to play with number one overall pick Bryce Young, uh, but Bryce Young has another quarterback in the room with him, it is Andy Dalton and Miles Sanders, Greg. Did you see this, Greg? Miles Sanders was on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ speaking about Andy Dalton, our friend, the man 
the myth, the legend, the Dalton line himself. And this is what uh, Sanders had to say. And that's the main thing I've, I've noticed in OTAs. Uh, we got a very, very good young quarterback that's being mentored by a very, very, very good quarterback, future Hall of Famer, Andy Dalton, that I have a lot of respect <laughs> for. Give it up for Miles Sanders. And yeah, it's a little strong to call Andy Dalton a future <laughs> Hall of Famer. Maybe a touch. Maybe a touch, but you know what else? I respect you, Miles Sanders, for giving Dalton the pop, the glowing ginger man. Three-time Pro Bowl selection. He is top 30 all-time in passing yards. Yeah. And uh, it, he, he's, he's an incredible human being, obviously, and eyebrows to die for. Hall of Famer to me, so maybe that makes two of us. I mean, I think two of those Pro Bowls were like as the number six, you know, replacement on the AFC. But I Stop guess they, it, don't, Greg. they don't put those asterisks up. I um, I would like I do feel like it's the natural evolution of future Hall of Famer. At some point, the term just becomes uh, meaningless, kind of like goat. Like and that's fine. Now everyone accepts if you say goat, it just means you're a good player. Right. Not, a future right. Hall of Famer can just be like anyone who is pretty good. Yeah, I hope that doesn't happen. The Hall of Fame enshrinement's coming up. What is that next weekend? This weekend? Uh, we got it's uh, Hall of Fame weekend when the Jets and Browns play. That's so right. I, actually, that they play on Thursday, and the, yeah, the Hall of Fame ceremonies a couple days later. They announced the order of that today, Dan. That's how slow the news is. That was a hot news item. Damn, Greg. Joe Future Thomas, Hall of Famer, I think is is the last guy speaking that night. Twenty fourth most. Uh, oh, he's going to be good. 24th most yardage uh, yards in league history, Greg. Wow. Now I'm with it. If only because true hall of famers do it in multiple places. And uh, his 2022 season will always be remembered by me as like a sneaky underrated. You love his 2022 season. Yeah. Uh, 244 passing touchdown 27th top 30 kind of guy. Finally in the news, congratulations are in order and some privacy for Tyler Lockett. Um, who once upon a time, Greg, a few years back, discussed his, uh, he's cha- he was a chaste man. Is that a, a way to put it? Sure. He was, um, he was waiting. Uh, he was patient. He separated, um, he separated the carnal side of relationships from, um, the love side of it and the ring side of it. Uh, he waited, he was waiting for marriage. I'm ch- he was a virgin. Okay. You made me say it, Greg. I mean, I nothing to be um, afraid to say. He, he was saying it. He was a 30-year-old virgin by the time I, I think he got married here. He'd been with his, his beautiful bride girlfriend for four years, made her wait. Um, and so congratulations are in order. And he, and he brought together, you know, I, I saw the pictures from the wedding. You got Russell Wilson there. You got Gino there. He's... He's bringing people together. I wish I had the, and yes, not to um, question anyone's uh, faith-based choices. Uh, so if, you, if you're out there and you followed a similar path or are currently following a similar path, go for it. I have a lot of um, respect, quite frankly, for the willpower that must take. Uh, and I don't know how it works, Greggy, but that is outrageous to be able to wait four years you said they dated? That's what it, that's what the article Unbelievable, said. Unbelievable, Greg. That to me is like the greatest achievement in the history of mankind, more or less, from my perspective. <laughs> well, and that uh, I respect 
anyone that can do something so out of step with the rest of society and the rest of like an NFL locker room. I, it takes some chutzpah, mm-hmm. some cojones to put that out publicly that this is how I'm going to uh, lead. You, you, you try to make fun of me. You, you try to, and just, I'm not, a, I'm not going to act like you act. Right. And he, and he also to put out a poetry book too. I mean, this guy was just operating on levels that I can't help but admire it. That's he also it. owns a real estate company, I believe. So he's, he's a, he's a Renaissance man. Mm. Meanwhile, Greg had like, you know, one girlfriend after another in, in high school. And, you know, I don't I don't imagine you were a man uh, of faith or, or much class back then. You were just rolling through uh, Western Massachusetts back then. Minichog Regional High School. I mean, not not exactly that. That's exaggerating it. But there was a little sweet spot before um, before <laughs> I realized short guys aren't supposed to get all the girls, you know. What is you came to that realization? No, I'm just kidding. That awareness and that it slowed down? No, I don't know. Maybe a no. little bit. Or the or the girls started caring. In high school they'll just take anyone with a little confidence. High school was tough for me. Yeah, I that was um I was on the Tyler Lockett uh path <laughs> to enlightenment, but not by choice. Uh because uh it again, we I sometimes forget, Greg. We have a lot of younger listeners. If you're a younger listener and you're kinda not doing so hot uh initially, uh with the uh, your opposite sex or your choice of sex and a partner um, hang in there. It is about confidence. It's all about confidence. If you don't think you're worthy of having girlfriends and stuff like that, you're not going to get one. I don't know when I, I gained that enlightenment, Greg, but it took into my like early twenties to really get that. Put a bow on the conversation. I mean, it's, it, and it, and it can go up and down. So, you know, you could have the confidence, you can lose it for a little while. You can get it back. So if you lose it, don't don't worry. It's coming back. I think this is the uh, plot of the second Austin Powers movie, basically. Watch that, kids, <laughs> and you'll understand everything that I'm trying to express. Let's take a break, and we will be back with some training camp talk. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, we are back. Uh, Greg, before we get to a primer of training camp, things to watch for, things that matter, One last thing that I saw uh, this morning I wanted to share with you. Somebody uh, over on the NFL subreddit put together a chart. Uh, Let's fly that up there, Eric, of one-score game flips uh, in the NFL in 2022. I I find it interesting, uh, Greg, when the difference, uh, you know, how, how many games just come down to one or two plays and how different things would be. And when you talk about, uh, teams that will come back to the pack or maybe go in a different direction. Uh, look at how the previous season ended and maybe you, hmm. maybe you get some, uh, uh, what do they call that? Re- positive regression. So uh, teams that one score games, if you flip them, for instance, the Eagles had five, one score games. If you flip those wins to losses, they would have finished nine and eight. Uh, the Raiders and Broncos both, if you flip their one score losses to one score wins, uh, they would have been 11 and six and 10 and seven respectively. 
the Chiefs, the defending champions, were a negative. If they went negative four, wow. uh, ten and seven, they would have been. Which, by the way, good teams and well coached teams win close games. So you're going to see that as a theme as well. A little surprising though to see the Raiders. Uh suddenly ahead of the chiefs in this exercise, right? A lot of heartbreakers for the chiefs, a very strange AFC West season last year. And then if you, the NFC North, I'll just, I'll take a look at the, the, if the chiefs lost three game games, by one score, they could have been 11 and six in a different world. The lions the bears could have been uh, the lions, excuse me, could have been 11 and six in a different world. The bears, uh, if you flip five losses by one score, they would have been eight and nine. Uh, and they still ended up with uh, you know top pick and a reconfigured roster. And then the Vikings, again, such a strange season, Greg, in so many ways. We all know it. Uh, this exercise is very interesting. They had nine wins by one score, a historic. If you would have flipped that, they would have finished four and 13. Weird, mm. weird, weird, weird. Well, not just nine wins, but like plus nine. You know, they, they didn't have any close losses or maybe I think they might add 10 close or 11 close wins and two close losses, something like that. Uh, it is very weird. And uh, I think that's why a lot of people are picking the Vikings to maybe actually come in last instead of just coming in last in this exercise. And, and two outliers, Greg, the Ravens and the Patriots, uh, their Delta, which is an interesting way to put it, uh, zero one score games last year. Is that possible? I guess it is. Well, it, it's no, it's that they were at 500 in terms of one score game. Oh, thought? I see. Now I get it. Okay. Like they went one and one. Got it. Got it. Got it. Makes more sense. All right. Interesting. Kind of. Uh, all right. Let's get to it now, Greg. Uh, training camp is ready. Uh, we are about to have a new season of NFL football. Tons of storylines are going to start flying at uh, football fans. Uh, we are going to call out some impending storylines or, or um, situations to watch across the league that we think matter more than uh, the avalanche of uh, content you're going to get. So, so we're cherry picking here stuff that we think really matters. Why don't you get it going? Yeah. I've, I've learned over the years, like I love camp because it gets you ready and it gets you thinking about all the things, but so much of it is just, waiting for week one to start because you don't really learn that much about veterans, but you do learn a lot about rookies. And the one rookie quarterback that I think it really matters to watch is Anthony Richardson. Cause I, I'm just assuming Bryce young and, and CJ Stroud are starting week one. I don't really, I know young is, and I, I pretty sure Stroud is, but Richardson and how he develops throughout the month. And then especially how he plays in the preseason to me, you know, impacts big time, whether the Colts are going to be interesting to watch week one or not, or if it's going to be Gardner Minshew and uh, his development to me is one of the most fascinating stories to watch. That was my number one story to watch also. And it, it's because of multiple reasons, uh, starting first and foremost with like how much hype is around Richardson now is this unbelievable athlete and potential playmaker at a um, elite level. Um, but also what happened last year with the Colts and management and this mm. feeling that uh, what it, is that ship being run in the right way or is quite frankly, Jim Mercer patient enough to handle a prospect as raw as Richardson, who started just 13 college games. Uh, he becomes the number four overall pick. You have a very um, suitable, passable, uh, competent backup in Gardner Minshew. If you want to play the game and, you know, coming from a fan of a team that 
rushed a, a green quarterback into the lineup like the what Jets the Jets did with Zach Wilson. I'm not saying that would have changed Wilson's career necessarily, or even Sam Darnold before that. But when you do that and the guy's not ready or the team around him is not ready, you could irreparably harm the player. So I hope the best the best case for this for the for the Colts and for Richardson is that he is locked in. Uh, he's progressing quickly. He has some nice moments in the preseason, and there's a lot of positivity around. Uh, him heading into week one, but the reports out of the rookie mini, uh, mini camp OTAs veteran mini camp. This is from James Boyd of the athletic. He quote, rarely had the best day overall. The rookie must become more knowledgeable of the playbook and sharpen his throwing mechanics. If Indy plans on handling the keys in its opener, he's a raw player, Greg, and they have to be careful not to, because they mm. want it so much just to put him in week one. I know the, the way we do it now in the league is you just put the kid in almost always. Uh, but that doesn't mean you have to do it. And I just hope they are monitoring this the right way rather than just he's playing and that's it. And it's going to work out. Right. And I think that's where having a good, like beat reporter crew covering the team. And in this case, they do have a good one. We got our friend, Zach Kiefer. They got Steven hold like they'll be, they'll be giving us the real deal of how he looks and, the first week, less important. It's a couple weeks in once you put the pads on, once you get a couple weeks of data. And the preseason will matter for him. Russell Wilson, to me, is the number one example of a guy who almost immediately was kind of winning the practice reports and then mm -hmm. won the preseason, too. And you're like, wow, this is a third-round pick that is going to be better than everyone expects and is going to start week one. But it's not always like that. Yes, I agree. Um, oh, by the way, Ursay, you mentioned... Um, yeah. I know you're on the East Coast. Did you happen to make it over to Boston this weekend to the TD Garden um, <laughs> for where the Jim Ursay collection was there, a traveling museum, and a one-of-a-kind free event uh, where the Jim Ursay band played to a relatively packed TD Garden. Again, it was free, um, including a band members Mike Mills, founding member of REM, and uh, Kenny Arnav. Arnoff, who's played with Paul McCartney in the Rolling Stones. How about that? Uh, it's about a 10-hour round trip uh, from <laughs> uh, far, yeah. the Jersey Shore right here, so I did miss it. It did it does remind me, like, R.E.M. is one of my favorite bands of all time, and at the uh, Giants-Patriots 2 Super Bowl in Indianapolis, um, Mike Mills was at the um, Marriott Bar uh, at the same time as me, and I had had a couple Tito's, and... Uh, I decided to go up to Mike Mills, uh, who I think he was obviously connect the dots was at an event with Jim Irsay uh, that weekend for the Super Bowl. And I, I told Mike Mills that I, I believed him to be after shaking his hand, uh, the greatest uh, backing uh, <laughs> harmony vocalist in the history of rock. And uh, <laughs> and uh, he uh, looked at me like that's a weird uh, thing to dive into immediately after an introduction. But thank you very much. And that was the end of the interaction. Well, I think um, it's important. You had him ranked that high. He had to know. But yeah, where do you go? Where do you go from that in the conversation? I wonder, do the kids do kids listen to R.E.M.? You know, I, I would like to know if you if you listen to this podcast, has R.E.M. had any um carry over with the younger generation i don't feel like it they have as much as you would think it's funny you should say that because as you know my buddy bob we do the throwback podcast and uh we've been building up to do an episode called appreciate rem because i feel like they mm. don't have that 
kind of next generation understanding of how important they were and how great they were, uh, maybe that moment comes in time. But uh, I'm with you. They've kind of fallen through the cracks in terms of uh, having a tail, if you will. You know who's fallen through the cracks? The Rams. Uh, a mm. This time last year, the defending Super Bowl champion. I, it is crazy what's going on. I know you had Jordan Rodriguez on the show, uh, who does awesome coverage of the Rams um, last week. And, um, man, I, I'm be curious to check in with her during the summer because this is crazy what they're attempting to do, where they, they're keeping – uh, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald and you know um, I know they traded Jalen Ramsey and 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 uh, Von Miller is not there anymore but this is still a team with veterans and the idea that you know different situation but we were talking about it with the Titans a team that's maybe hoping to squeeze out ten wins and be in the mix and then see what happens this team is going to have forty forty. Four zero rookies on their roster at the start of training camp. That is expansion team stuff, Greg. That is teams that are just completely starting over. I think everybody's kind of been scratching their heads trying to figure out what the Rams are trying to do right now, where they're at, what kind of uh, needle they're trying to thread here. But to have these um, well-known established stars and in some cases superstars with Cup and a legend and Aaron Donald – and then to surround them with a roster fully, uh, almost fully loaded with people with no experience. I mean, this could go really poorly if just a couple of things go wrong, which is what happened last year. But maybe even worse than last year uh, if things go sideways. Yeah, it's a camp where there's a ton of jobs available. You know, their offense actually looks like a totally normal offense. In, a, in potentially a good offense, they think it'll be good. That that it's really all about the defense, especially. And there are a lot of rookies, like undrafted rookies, on the offense and stuff, but they're not going to be playing major roles, I don't think. Whereas the defense, if you look at their hour leds page, where they put red players and in, in rookies in red, like it's all red, and there's five or six or seven starting jobs open. And the rookies are competing for a lot of those. And so that's a, a camp where it's going to matter. The preseason games will matter. Our friend Mina Kimes, who does their preseason games with Andrew Siciliano, like those games are actually going to mean a lot for a lot of these players because you can get starting jobs from them. Yeah, and I, w- I would say that I would be very surprised if the Rams come out of the gate uh, playing at a high level. Um, and I do believe in the coaching staff and, and Sean McVay's abilities and – you know, if Stafford can stay healthy, he'll he'll kind of stabilize everything, as will uh, Donald. He'll help, obviously, uh, immeasurably on the other side of the ball. Maybe you can get out of September 2-2 two and two or whatever, and then you start to find an identity and the young players get, get their feet wet. But I think that's going to be, you know, how do they look uh, in training camp? The reports, keep an eye on what, what Jordan and the other beat reporters are saying about how these practices are going how that how these preseason games look uh because this is a very green team certainly i would imagine uh, for teams that are recent super bowl winners uh, it's almost unprecedented that this is the roster now look at the, as a comparison point look at the bucks who are kind of still running back the same team from a couple of years earlier that won a super bowl uh the rams are going in a different direction for the most part we'll see how it goes yeah i i think the thought is if you have 40 rookies can you find 7 like that there's nothing more valuable than uh, a starter or a 
significant player on a rookie contract by just throwing huge numbers of it. I, you know, I wonder what the analytic like idea was behind all this that like, all right, if we can just somehow find five to seven contributors from this rookie class, like that'd be a great class and maybe just don't, don't bother with the mid-level veterans for now. Actually, I'm going to go for a former Ram as my next one. OBJ is just someone I want to watch uh, in camp. You could extend this to the whole rant, the Ravens wide receiver group. Cause I don't know what's up with Rashad Bateman right now. He hasn't been healthy. Uh, the whole group was hurt, but OBJ Particularly, I just am curious and want to be watching the camp reports and see what is going on. It's been a while since we've seen him, and we don't know what kind of OBJ he is. I don't think he's going to be playing in the preseason, but even the camp reports and whether he's practicing day one and all that sort of stuff matters to me. Yeah, I mean, they paid him a lot, uh, a lot more than a lot of people expected, uh, and the Ravens are expecting him to be the guy the guy that he was with the Rams in the playoffs and that Super Bowl for, before he went down with the injury, you know, 30 something wide receivers coming off two knee reconstructions are typically a step slow uh, compared to their heyday, but they kind of need him to be better than that. I, I don't think they're looking for, you know, late period Derek Mason here or something. They're, they're looking for a game changer and a guy that kind of stretches the field and, and drives defenses crazy like peak OBJ. But yeah, like if, if the camp reports are glowing, yeah, I would be very nervous if I was a Ravens fan. He could have great chemistry with Lamar Jackson, for all we know. Could be could be like Randy Moss in New England. I, I doubt that, but uh I do think he he's someone just health wise, and that's what I look for a lot in camp that I, I wanna see that he's actually out there every day. Um all right, let's go to uh New England. We touched on the Patriots earlier about uh, finishing peers uh, second in the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes, although they kind of opted out of it, it, it sounded like. We talked about Mac Jones and what's going on there. Um, this is good. Uh, this is interesting. Ben Volin of the Boston Globe reported that the question of how third-year QB Mac Jones is viewed inside the Patriots, quotes, depends on who you ask. I'll continue to read from Volin's reporting. It's clear Patriots president Jonathan Kraft passionately defends and protects Jones. Uh, the crafts are invested in Jones succeeding. Belichick, meanwhile, barely wants to say his name in public. <laughs> uh, the Patriots um, hired the new offensive coordinator, uh, but it's not as we enter training camp. I think the, the expectation obviously is that Mac Jones is, is going to be the starter, but you know, Belichick is got Bailey Zappi there and a, seemingly a chip on his shoulder, potentially with the quarterback uh, does this get a little weird in training camp? How are, are reps mm. split? Do you have any do you have any inkling that Belichick could do one of those things where he surprises people and uh, maybe there's a storyline about how reps are being split or any type of buzz in that direction? It wouldn't be totally shocking because he does seem to like Bailey Zappi and he does seem to have something, but I think he got over it. And I think if Mac Jones is just better than Bailey Zappi, which I believe he will be then he'll he'll go with him i don't think it's quite a tom brady drew bledsoe uh 2001 situation where he just clearly loved brady and thought bledsoe was on the way out i think there was a point this offseason where they could have gotten rid of mac jones that point didn't happen and now i expect it to be mac jones but you're, you're right as a patriot hater you could you could root for some chicanery i mean listen i was a patriot hater those those days are over greg please they're over. I got bigger fish to we'll fry. We'll see how you feel week uh, 
when do they play? Is it week two that they play? No. Uh, we'll see how you feel because they got to end that uh, losing streak. They, I mean, the Patriots, they, they have one thing left from their uh, dynasty days. It's uh, ownership of the Jets. That is true. That's all they have left. That is true. And, uh, yeah, I, I would think that if Belichick is uh, smart, and he is a very smart man. He's a brilliant man, in fact, especially in matters of uh, professional football. He will throw his support behind Mac Jones at this point and, you know, uh, speak speak about him in some level of high regard and, and throughout the training camp and, and make this story completely disappear and, and everybody goes into together. But maybe this is, even though the men didn't see eye to eye, Greggy, maybe this is a little of the Parcells in Belichick, like how Parcells was with Phil Sims as an example. Um, he's just going to be hard on him. And until you prove it to me, I'm going to kind of look mm. at you a little side eyed um, until I could truly trust you. I think there is our trust issues in that building. Um, we'll see if it manifests into anything that gets the beat popping off during the summer. I would, probably not, but also I've been surprised by some of the leaks out of Patriot way this off season. So you never know. Yeah. Everything seems a little messier. That's uh, week three, by the way, it's a one o'clock game in the Meadowlands. You know, the Patriots start with uh, the Eagles and the Dolphins. The Jets start with the Bills and the Cowboys. I'm just hoping that's not two uh, 0-2 teams there. None of those those, those games sound easy. I, I, can't, I can't stress this enough to what you're saying. The Jets cannot, cannot lose to the Patriots at home with a healthy Aaron Rodgers given everything here. Okay, the, that needs to be a W regardless of how the first two games go or – it's going to feel like the same old, same old. All right, you're up. All right. I'm going to just go with the main quarterback battle that matters, which is the 49ers. You can throw the Bucks in there. Like, are we sure Baker Mayfield's week one starter? Is it Could Kyle Trask get a chance? I mean, that'll keep an eye on. Uh, but the 49ers, quarterbacks, I mean, it. we don't need to go too long on it. We're, we're going to be talking about it. But that legitimately is up in the air. I, I think it's Purdy's job if he's healthy, but I, I don't think Kyle Shanahan is totally locked in on that either. I think his mind is open to Trey Lance and his mind is probably open to Sam Darnold. And it could be a situation where their preseason games are like auditions for week three. Even if let's say it's Purdy week one, or let's say he's not healthy and it's Lance week one, like Sam Darnold playing really well in August in the preseason could earn him like a week four job and, and a quick hook for whoever is the starter. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm incredibly invested in, in this storyline um, because I do want to see Sam Darnold get a shot here. I feel like if he gets even a couple weeks uh, in the starting job, it might be hard to get him out of the lineup. If, if, uh, if he's able to, play with this offense there's he was on uh, the part of my take podcast and uh he said you talking ghost you talking about the ghosts because we did hit that last show that was right right up mark sessler's alley i don't know if you heard about that no what what happened oh he said that there was some sort of uh paranormal activity in george kill's guest house when he was staying there so oh really you're hitting a different part of the yeah, interview clearly um, what i mean what a varied interview um <laughs> by uh Big Cat and uh, PFT commenter. But uh, here is the uh, line. Guys are open. I mean, there's a lot of guys open on dang near every play. It just seems like there's a ton of answers. So for a guy that hasn't had a lot of answers on the field in his time, uh, it would be interesting to see how he performed with an offense like this. 
And then there's yeah, Sam the, the Trey Lance of it all is something to track too. Like how is how many reps is is he getting? Is he getting a real look, a real chance at this, or is he the past in that organization already? He'll play a lot. I know you're not a fan of the preseason. You know, I yeah, it has its use, but I get sick of it too after the first couple weeks. Uh, but Trey Lance will play a lot in the preseason. I would assume Darnold will too. And so those will be one of the most, if not the most interesting team to watch in the preseason. Um, regarding the Jets, there's, there's a lot to be excited about. By the way, they finally announced Hard Knocks uh, officially today, which is crazy because it it's July 17th. <laughs> and then they talked to Rogers at some golf event. He's like, yeah, well, they're, they're sticking it down our throats, so we just got to make the most of it. Just a, a very different vibe than uh, past Hard Knocks announcements. I'll, I'll say that. Um, and while there's a lot of optimism around the team, as there should be, I am nervous about the offensive line because it is a 40-year-old quarterback um, coming off a down season by his standards, and the offensive line was a major issue last year in New York, and they didn't make a lot of changes. They, they made some attempts at changes, some moves. Uh, they said they weren't trying to draft a, a tackle at the first round. You can believe that or not. Um, but they're ending up with more or less the same line. They did draft a rookie in Joe Tipman at center. So he's going to, it's going to be a camp battle with Connor McGovern there in the pivot. Greg, that's what they call it. I always like that. It's like the pivot, it's like using the word signal caller for quarterback, just to not repeat the same word. Exactly. Uh, so you're going to have le- Dwayne Brown's going to play left tackle again. You're going to hope Elijah Vera Tucker stays healthy. Uh, Makai Becton is in the picture on, in some capacity, uh, but he also tweeted recently that he's a left tackle. The Jets don't seem to have any interest in playing him at left tackle, so it's going to be right tackle if he even wins a job. That is a, um, a question mark on their roster with this quarterback, and I want to see, uh, as a Jets fan, you want to see the camp reports that uh, the line is gelling that Becton, who's down apparently 60 pounds uh, from last year, is healthy and on the field after missing basically two straight years, and he finds a role in the starting lineup. Um, it is something to watch because if they don't get a good offensive line play, you could get Rodgers hurt, and then all of a sudden, guess who the number two quarterback is on that team? Zach Wilson, mm. which is another questionable decision they made, which is – keeping Wilson as the number two. And just imagine, for instance, Greg, that week three game against the Patriots, if it's Zach Wilson back on the field, I don't even want to speak this into existence, but there's some vulnerabilities here if the offensive line can't play the guitar. Yeah, I mean, Joe Douglas, that's his baby, the offensive line. He's put so many resources. Vera Tuck is a first-round pick. Becton's a first-round pick. Tippman's a second-round pick. Tomlinson is one of the higher-paid guards in the league. They're, they kind of remind me of the Packers where – I think the Packers probably their baseline's a little hard higher, but like they could either be a bit of a disaster if things go wrong on the offensive line, or they could be really good. I feel like there's a, a high variance uh, with the Jets and the Packers for that matter. All right, uh, you want to throw that? All right, uh, last one more. Yeah, well, this is kind of a, a catch-all. I'll include okay. your guy Bryce Hall in it, and I think it's probably the most important thing in, in camp. It's just the guys coming off of injuries, their progress. Bryce Hall is a key one. Like this is the time of year where it's a lot of like, I expect to start week one. Like we heard that about Tredavious white as an example at this time last year, Tredavious white ended up not starting until about mid season and wasn't really himself until about week 10. And that happens 
fairly often with guys that you, you hear are coming back week one. So we find out the truth on a lot of these guys. Bryce Hall is a key one. Von Miller is a key one. Tony Pollard's one I mentioned earlier. Javante Williams, the running back for the, the Broncos. Jonathan Taylor's coming off the ankle injury. It sounds like he's going to be okay. Darius Leonard, on the other hand, I don't know what's up with him and his back injury. Isaiah Pacheco, you know, who finished off that Super Bowl. He's coming off a shoulder surgery, might not be ready. Jimmy G, we're not sure what's up with him. JC Jackson, you remember, got that huge contract and had a terrible injury. So those are some of the the biggest names coming off like major injuries that there's optimism until then camp starts and then we'll see if there's still optimism. Yeah, and maybe uh, if you're a DeAndre Hopkins agent, there was – Maybe a little bit of pause. Do you sign this contract now or do you wait to see how some of these things shake out in camp with injuries? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's what Dalvin Cook's representation is thinking right now. Uh, uh, maybe uh, an opportunity presents itself that doesn't seem like it's there right now. But yeah, you're absolutely right because you can't trust, you cannot trust uh, any offseason reporting for the most part. Um, maybe you could trust it more when you hear it in a negative way about a guy's not practicing a guy is a little behind schedule, but you usually don't hear that. You always hear he's way ahead of schedule or the trope alert sounds. And the guy says, I've never felt better. or I'm actually, my knee is actually better after the catastrophic injury I suffered last October. Uh, training camp has a habit of, you know, separating all that junk because guys are supposed to be out there and practicing and, and reporters get their eyes on these guys. So yes, GC Greg, as we say. And my last one was going to be Von Miller. Um, so it ties together. Von Miller is one of the most important, um, players I think of, uh, of the start of the season in the AFC because, uh, the, the bills really were getting a lot out of him before he went down on Thanksgiving. He didn't play another snap and they need that extra juice that Von Miller brings. And is he still Von Miller when he comes back? He's another year older. He's 34. Um, yeah. He's 34. Uh, you you want to see which version of Von Miller shows up, uh, if he shows up at all this summer we shall see by the way uh this is uh, going way back to the beginning of the show i was trying to think of like what nfl player we'd be mm-hmm. we'd be lane johnson from that 2012 class with the eagles the whole time goes about his business like that a lot of sauce to him you know w- when it pops up and a uh, future hall of famer okay all right greg <laughs> yeah baby I like that one. Future Hall of Famer. Think we're going to the hall? You think we're on a hall trajectory right now? I'm putting us in the in the Look in the that. hall. We can ask our next uh You know what though? You know right, what I gotta say? Right, gotta yeah. Get. Oh, that is a great what seg. Uh, because you know what they say as we uh welcome in our guest. You don't uh make the hall of fame in your in your first ten years. You make them in those last three or four, you know? Uh or that, that second decade. Uh and with that said, uh, a man that already is a Hall of Famer uh, for the work that he's done both on our uh, on our shore and now back in his native England. He is former uh, executive content man for NFL Digital, now vice president of UK and surrounding territories, Henry Hodgson. What's up, buddy? I am doing great. It's good to see you guys. Good to hear you guys. I do have an issue, though. Already, yes. and I, I hate to do this to you. Yeah, we're in the background here. We're saving the queen. Oh, we got uh, up. You may that. not have heard, but but um, <laughs> I think that I think that ship sailed. 
<laughs> you guys oh you changed the lyrics that's right we changed the lyrics yeah, it's we like made a, the there. uh it's like the god save uh, candle the in the Queen, wind it's like candle in the wind elton yeah elton was able to quickly pivot from from marilyn to diana that I mean, is the something tunes, we are... the tune's the same though i mean tune, same tune same tune the melody is the same the lyrically yep. there's an important change in the uh very the important start. change yeah. So um, let, let's get that fixed for next time. Apologies, because that's disrespectful. That's right. It's okay. It's like, no, and, it's not. It's fine. You get one shot though. Next time it would be disrespectful. And I'll and I'll throw you I'll throw you a bone here and say I watched Wimbledon yesterday. Okay. I didn't. I didn't. But I hope you had a great time. I wish wow. I had done. I just I found myself um, not watching it. Um, do you think that? Let's start with the most important thing. Do you think that our podcast is on a Hall of Fame trajectory? Do you think even here's my take based on Greg's comment, even that being uttered is a sign that there this is this is Rome at the end where it's just like wow that they're talking about that that no Hall of Fame podcast would ever even have that conversation, or do you admire the pluck of the show? No, I mean listen, I uh, I would liken it to 1984 Dan Marino, right? Second year in the NFL, goes out and breaks every single record, and it's clear at that point, like there's mm. from here. That was nothing, the Stitcher you know, you, award. You're, you're on that. You, that was the Stitcher award. You're on that trajectory, <laughs> and really, you know, even if you don't make a Super Bowl, you're probably going to you're probably going to the Hall of Fame, and that's what I've always seen you guys as is 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 84 Marino, and and mm. you know the incredible career he had. So you, um, you see us as losers, like that. basically, ultimately. No, no. <laughs> let's not go there with Dan Marino. Um, not a loser. Um, you know, the, a, a giant amongst um, amongst NFL players. As I was trying to compliment you guys, you decided to take a shot at, at, at one of the greatest players of all time. Um, uh, you know, it's like gaudy numbers, um, but not that well liked in the locker room and uh, doesn't. You Marino know, was beloved in the locker room. He he, what he did was demand greatness from his from his other players and, and bring them to his level. So in a way, you've done that in the podcasting industry as yeah. well. Before yeah. before the Around the NFL podcast existed, what other shows were out there? Now look, now look at all the talent around that. Right. After your last show, Greg, I, I tuned into Jordan's amazing show, um, the Play Callers. I've just listened to two episodes of that on the back of that, and that you great. guys, you know, without you sort of setting the tone um that doesn't happen that's very nice of you that's to say, why Henry. you're dan marino and let me say that i i much rather you refer to us as the dan marino uh, of podcasts rather than the ken o'brien uh, right, but i exactly. also i want to say that um dan marino was very frightening and uh just imagine being like a fourth round pick tight end and marino throws one of those missiles between the eight and the four and it, it hits the turf and Marino ripping off that helmet and that red face just screaming yep. at you. What a monster. <laughs> but that's what I mean. He's demanding excellence. And uh, and I, I feel like that's what you've done to the, the NFL podcasting industry. I've had some red fo- face moments um, behind the scenes <laughs> with this program. So I, I, I understand that. That's true. Um, all right. So let's get to what you're here for, though, Henry. And by the way, if you want to get any plugs in, you are vice president of UK. You make a tremendous salary. Um, you have a beautiful office. <laughs> what? what? Wait, why are... did we go there? I mean, yeah, spot uh... the lie, Greg. Spot the lie. Well, I was just surprised. Yeah, it's, um, just a weird, yes, it's a weird place to go. You okay. are taping from a beautiful countryside. It appears in in uh, England. That is true. Where is Dan today? Not at I, home. I'm in my uh, parents' uh, bedroom in Spring Lake, New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Awesome, Greg. Where are you? Just so we we've got everything in contact. I, I'm in back a very in LA? hot. 
hot garage that I got back to. Uh, okay, you're back in L.A. Yes. Welcome home. Maybe when I get back to L.A., Greggy, I'll come over and uh, I'll help you maybe install an air conditioner. You got a window in there? We do, so it's possible. Yeah. Okay, let's work. I actually have a spare. If we oh, let's talk, let's talk off air. Um, Hank, you are, and this is, I think, of all the great things, and I view you as uh, not only a, a a dear colleague but a a great friend. But I think the thing that, I, that I've always appreciated the most about you is your um, tremendous passion for the NFL supplemental draft. And. Yep. I know we're about that's the thing that rubbed off the most (laughs) (laughs) over a long time together. That that's the thing that you remember. That's the thing that stands out though. It's why your relationship has taken a dip over the last four years because there hasn't been (laughs) a supplemental draft. (laughs) So we're a little late on this, but this is more like tying a tying a bow on the situation. The NFL supplemental draft returned Tuesday. uh, Excuse me, not this past Tuesday last Tuesday, but there were no players selected Two eligible players for the draft, which Henry will tell you about them in a moment. Uh, but this was the first year in three years, the NFL conducted the draft, um, but nobody was taken. If you want to just give the audience a little bit of a perspective on what the event is, why hold it without making a selection? What's the future of the supplemental draft? Uh, please have at it. The, the floor is yours, Henry. Sure. Well, I mean, look, the supplemental draft, as everyone is probably aware, but just for those that aren't, is kind of the jewel of the NFL's offseason. You know, there are these other events that will take place, the, the combine, free agency, the draft. And to some extent, um, you look at those things and they're kind of one dimensional. Right. There, there's mm-hmm. there's an opportunity and an outcome, if you like. In the draft, it's the New York Jets turn to pick the New York Jets make their pick. What is turns the supplemental draft from that one dimensional event into a three dimensional event is there's another opportunity in there. And you saw a couple of years ago, the Minnesota Vikings try to bring this to the draft. But really what it is, is sometimes you don't make a pick. And, you know, as, as you guys know, some of the best choices you make in life are not making choices. Yes. Mm. And so in a way that makes this year's draft where there were two players eligible, 32 teams, seven rounds seven times 32 as dan knows is whatever it is thousand even and (laughs) and at the end of it everyone didn't make a pick seven times and so that really is what made this year's drafts you know so exceptional and such a such a one for the books because we actually had an event but in the event in the end the event wasn't an event that happened um, and that's what, you know, is, is chess checkers thing um, mm. compared to, to the NFL draft. And look, every every team out there, you know, you want you know, you want to find the next Bobby Humphrey. You want to find the next Bernie Kosar, the next Chris Carter. And that's hard to do. And this year, the two guys that were out there, Jackson State uh, wide receiver. You, you'll remember him from um, from last year, Malachi Weidman, um, who who had, I think, 540 yards and 12 touchdowns in 2021 with the Tigers. And then uh, Purdue's Milton Wright, also a wide receiver. Um, Milton um, didn't play uh, last year, so I don't have his stats. Classic tough uh, stage. You know, exactly. Every team looked at them and every team made an assessment. And in the end, every team um, passed seven times. Well, I think, and that's, that's really the supplemental job. Now, look, I mean, there have been some great names that have come through the program. Um, and again, I mentioned some of them, Bernie Kozar, Brian Bosworth, you'll remember, um, came, came through the supplemental draft. 
Um, and there is, some, you know, there have been some guys that haven't worked out as as well. And um, you know, we we you're all, as I say, you're looking for the good guys, but you could end up with a Harvey Unger or a Milford Brown or mm. a, or a um, John Davis. Um, so how about, how about Steve but, Walsh? Steve Walsh came through there. Steve Walsh, you know, that, and that really was where my passion. It's interesting you mentioned that, Greg, because that's where my passion for the supplemental draft actually came about. So that year, the Dallas Cowboys, with the the very first pick in the draft, Jimmy Johnson came on board and said, "I'm bringing in Troy Aikman. Uh, Troy Aikman's my guy." Then doubled down in the supplemental draft and went and got a guy that he coached in college, Steve Walsh. Now, Steve Walsh, University of Miami quarterback, obviously one of the other University of Miami quarterbacks who came out of this this program and, and performed so well, Bernie Kosar. So he was looking for mm. gold in the same place, but didn't necessarily find it. And if if I may, just to put, put a bow on this, and talking about the importance of the supplemental draft, um, as Henry stated, 32 teams decided not to make a pick. So their pick was to not make a pick. That was 32 teams right. decided that. Only 31 teams made a selection in the first-year player draft uh, because of Miami's issues. 32 in the first is, round, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 32 is higher than 31. So, like, mm. ju- just from a pure, like, math standpoint, when you talk about, like, what's more important, that's what's important. Yeah, I mean, I think I've outlined all the reasons that it's, it's, it's as I say, the gem of the NFL offseason. Right, I mean – Beyond the existential delight that is, does this event even exist or not if someone doesn't get taken? I mean, that it's sort of it's mind blowing, frankly. There's no other event like it. Um, there's also a way that you take the most exciting part of working in the 22nd or 21st century that is uh, and it will be the next century, which is. Um, a massive group email, which is essentially what the super- right. supplemental draft is. And it's t- 224 straight group emails just saying pass. Yep. Awesome. And, I mean, pass. Again, and you're waiting yep. to find out, oh, it's round four. Will something the happen? The Texans are up. I'm on the edge of my seat. Pick 134. Nope, it's pass again. Well, and there were trades. There were, you know, you can trade and you can still pass <laughs> on the trade. And that's, you know, that's it's almost practice for deputy general managers. You know, like go out there, really, you know, work a trade, work the phones. And then when you work the phones and you've traded up or traded down, pass. Well, you famously so the, did the supplemental mock draft year after year on NFL.com. And it would <laughs> it would always include a lot of trades. <laughs> that always that always made me laugh. Yeah. It ended with pass. Um, Always ended with pass. Henry, uh, before we say goodbye, in addition to your duties with uh, the NFL UK and surrounding territories, you're also hugely invested. You're really, you're really like on the fence on that one. You just don't know where to go, do you? (laughs) You're also incredibly uh, connected uh, and a champion of the International Pathway Program. We just did a, uh, we just did a training camp primer. I was curious Mm. if there are any. Uh, IPP players uh, that maybe we should keep an eye on that have a chance to make some noise uh, across our league this summer. 
Boy, you really put me on the spot. I think there were a couple guys last year who were often, you know, it takes maybe a year for the guys, you know, not like Jordan Mylata and the guys that get drafted, but then the guys that are in the program, what it is is you you go you go on the on the practice squad for for two or three years. You can you can be around there. So I think it's normally the guys who've had a, a year's experience that probably get the the best shot. So off the top of my head, the Indianapolis Colts had a, a um, defensive back named Marcel Dabo, D-A-B-O. Who, um, who was super athletic, um, you know, could easily he played he played in Germany, could easily get a shot, shot um, you know, depending on how camp goes. There's a handful of really immensely talented um, players from Nigeria that OCU Manura found, um, and you know they're they're playing a lot a bunch of them across the NFC North this year. So I mean. Uh, we'll, we'll look out for names, but I, I'm sure one or two of them will pop up and at least in the, in the preseason um, make some noise and then we'll see where they go. Actually, the other guy to look out for, do you remember in, in hard knocks? I'm very excited for you down about the jets and hard knocks. Remember in hard knocks when the Cowboys were in hard knocks, there was a Mexican um, offensive tackle. Yes. Um, who was Isaac Alicon, who was a big part of the, of the, uh, of the show. He's actually, um, there's a British coach, Adam dirty, who I think I've talked about on the show before. Who's, who's on Dan Quinn's staff there. Um, and he has converted Isaac from offensive line to defensive line. And they oh. are ra- raving about how Isaac mm. is super strong, um, is, is performing as a defensive lineman. So another one to look out for. Beautiful. And you had you me go. at Marcel Dabo. So I am. Marcel Dabo. Okay, you're in. Um, have we? Greg keeps dropping notes or hints, rather, about um, going to Germany because I don't know if you've heard. It's it's uh, the country that his father's from. A little bit like I don't know if you've heard, but Mark grew up in the UK. Right. Um, so, right. like um, you know, you know, isn't it funny, Henry? I catch I catch a lot of he's like, oh, Dan doesn't want to go anywhere, and Dan loves America. It's like these guys won't shut up about this other stuff, and it's just like, <laughs> how about looking at it from that perspective? I like. I love it. I, I mean, actually, I wish that you weren't so steeped in the red, white, and blue, um, and would can't help be willing, it. You know, willing these to colors come don't run, bro. <laughs> I know. I've seen these colors don't um, run anywhere. They just stay right here. <laughs> they just stay right there. Um, but I hope that uh, you know you guys will um, will be in London or or Frankfurt at some point this season. We've got some fantastic games. We're gonna have fun. If if it happens, we'd love to be there. Um, and we love having you on the show, Hank. Thank you very much. It's buddy. always great to see you guys. Take care. Love you. There he goes. We're going to update Thanks, that. Thanks, Hank. Save the, the queen. That was a bad, that was a bad one. We just got to be better than that, Greggy. What about, uh, you know, Princess Kate? You know, she was there at Wimbledon. Should, She's at Wimbledon. Should be saving her. Yeah, that's true. Should have. Yeah, we're going to clean that up. Uh, apologies to our um, British listeners. We're going to get that right. I think that's that's important. Good show. Good app. We'll be back Thursday. Like we said, um, we're going to be all back together next week. So we got one more uh, show re- remotely. Uh, I'm, I'm working on getting maybe Connie uh, on with us. Uh, maybe, maybe another special guest that we haven't mm. had on the show in a while, which would be very nice. We're working on some things, Greggy. Uh, but uh, any final thoughts? No, I, I think I need to go get some sleep. Yeah. Okay. You do that. And then we'll talk air conditioner as well. It is, it is quite warm. It's quite right. warm in this little room. All right, everybody. Thanks again uh, for listening. Uh, <laughs> until Thursday, you know what you got to do. Heed the call.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.